You're right. Listen, I wanted to take um, some time out just to say to you that I'm extremely proud of you and what you are doing with the What A Word um, podcast. Um, I've actually you know, listened to a few excerpts and uh, listen, man, you've always been that guy that stood above everybody else in terms of your beliefs and your 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 commitments and your knowledge on different social issues and so it's not surprising for me to see you sharing um you know sharing your the, the information you've gathered over the years and and at the same time trying to enlighten um i don't want to limit it to just saying our people but trying to enlighten people on a whole so um i i commend you brother i respect you and of course um i salute you and i just want to encourage you to um to keep keep doing the work that you're doing it's 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 seen and um more so it's appreciated all right welcome to episode 25 of the what a word podcast Thank you so much to my supporters. Your kind words, your postings, your sharing has warmed my heart. I could not have done it without your support. I believe we will continue to inspire each other. Thank you for being a light. Thank you for your acts of kindness. I wanna dedicate this episode to those of you who are notwithstanding your pain, are encouraging and inspiring others. My mind reflects on Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, King T'Challa. He was essentially a member of my family as many times as we watched the Black Panther movie. The images of kings and queens who looked like us was so significant. Powerful and empathetic beings who sought to lift others up. I appreciate uh, Mr. Bozeman's work, and I'm praying the support and encouragement to his family and friends as well. And to those of you going through it, I want you to know we'll get through it together. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you'll have strength no matter what the challenges are. Life is difficult, but I believe we'll make it with God's help. I want to thank those of you who have sponsored. I have indicated in times past how appreciative I have been of that and um, corporate entities have reached out. If that's something you're interested in, uh, if you're interested in having your business, your program, your idea promoted, uh, drop me a line at whatawordpodcast at gmail.com and let's talk about how we can use this medium to get the word out. I look forward to hearing from you. And I, I hope you'll continue to listen. I have a very, very special guest. Her name is Alicia Bonnie. She's also a superhero in my mind. Not only did I reach out to her a number of years ago to help my daughter with uh, self-defense, but I reached out to her to share about what she's doing in her line of work. Alicia gracefully accepted the invitation and you'll hear more about her work today. She is a certified exercise physiologist, a corrective exercise specialist, and personal trainer. She believes that a healthy diet and exercise program are the best medicines we have to help prevent, manage, and sometimes reverse chronic illness and disease. 
She uses her knowledge to create individualized programs that help her clients to increase mobility, decrease pain, and improve their quality of life. When Alicia is not working or studying, you can find her sparring, grappling, and engaged in all things martial arts. Join me in welcoming Alicia Bonney to the Water Word Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm definitely honored. Definitely honored. So I know you're an exercise physiologist, but before getting into that, I'd just like you to to give you the opportunity to tell listeners a little bit about who you are and why you entered that field. (laughs) That, my friend, is a story in and of itself. So I guess to, well, I'll start here. I have always loved medicine. And from the time I knew myself, I was going to study medicine. And I was the kid who was reading every medical book I could find. I was watching every medical program on TV. Um, I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And that's what I pursued for a really, really long time. And when I got to college, when I was deciding to go to college, I thought, okay, I need something that's going to help me to get to medical school. And at the time, people were still studying the hard sciences or the the STEM sciences. So uh, chemistry, biology, physics. And I thought, there are a few classes in those fields that I would enjoy, but the rest of them, I probably will never use again. So I need something else. So when I was looking into colleges, I found at Gettysburg College, they had a major called health and exercise science. And I looked and it was all about the body, all about human development, biology, chemistry, kinesiology, neuromuscular physiology. And I thought, this is me. This is going to help me get to medical school. And even if I don't practice medicine, it gives me the foundation to do whatever I wanted in the medical field. So I went there with the intention of going to medical school. And it seems that I was blocked at every single opportunity. It's like every time I made a step forward, something knocked me back. And I spent the entire four years just wondering, is this a sign that I'm not meant to do this? Or is this a sign that I should keep trying harder? You know, we, I never quite knew. And I think some of us, a lot of us might have the same issue. You know, do I fight for my dream and push through the adversity like I've heard other people in their stories? Or is this a sign that I'm really going in the wrong direction and I should turn around? And I finally got to that place where I thought, all right, maybe this is not the direction. And it was devastating because that's all I've ever wanted to do. I never had a plan B. And as I started to navigate those new um, spaces, I decided to just lean into it a bit. And I realized from my education up until that point that I could use exercise as medicine. And it was something that I never considered before, but in all of my classes and all of the things I was learning, it just became more and more obvious that, you know what, I think I can do this. I think I can play in this space. And the more I learned, the more I realized, looking back now, I think I might've been miserable if I were a doctor right now. So I think I ended up exactly where I needed to be in this space. So that's kind of the initial, you know, um, journey into it. 
I continued school since then, you know, so when I finally figured out that this is where I'm going to be, I got my master's in clinical exercise physiology at Long Island University. Uh, got a few certifications, you know, so I'm certified as a personal trainer, um, a corrective exercise specialist and an exercise physiologist. And I'm currently enrolled at Seton Hall in a health leadership and management program, getting my doctorate. So it's definitely been a journey. Awesome. And tell listeners a little bit about your family. A little bit about my family. <laughs> so I, my family unit at the moment consists of, you know, my father, my stepmother, my brother and my two sisters. And it didn't always start out that way. My mother passed away when I was two and my brother was about six months. So the initial early years of my life were a little challenging, you know, um, more so for my father, I'm going to say, but you know, we made it. He got remarried when I was nine. And so that's been, you know, the family ever since. So when he got remarried, my stepmother had a daughter. So my stepsister came into my life at that point. And then together they had my youngest sister. So it's four of us in all. And until someone asked me about it, I never really consider half sister, stepsister. They're just, you know, my brother and my sisters. And that's pretty much my family dynamic. Um, I have a ton of family on my father's side, but I don't really know too many of them. So my, in, my family unit right here is, you know, um, the extent of it for me. I'll just include my aunt and my cousin who you spoke to, Brian, um, a few weeks ago. Oh, wow, you didn't know that. I think I learned it after the fact, way after the really? fact. Really? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, I have a million uncles and aunts, but as far as I'm concerned, that's my aunt and that's my, my cousin and you know, that's my little family right there. Did your family have any input into your career direction? I'm going to say no, because I still don't think they understand what I do for a living. Um, I'm constantly explaining it. And it's actually an interesting question because at the time when I was going into this, it was, exercise was still not something that we really, really spoke about as far as I was seeing in the you know, black community. It was something that you did to lose weight. And unless you needed to lose weight, people didn't understand why you were doing it. And I went to college and I looked at the other students around me. It was a predominantly white school. And I thought, man, all of these people exercise. It's a part of their everyday existence. This is a thing for them. And it wasn't something I saw back home. And I started to, you know, uh, compare the two. I now had more insight into this new world. And I thought to myself, man, things are different here. So. I go back home and I see diabetes and high blood pressure and all these other chronic conditions. And then I go to school and I see 
fitness and wellness and health. And I thought something's wrong here. Something's definitely wrong here. And to this day, I still can't even get people in my you know, community to even understand what I do, why I do it and why it matters. And it's, you know, an ongoing struggle, but I'm up for the challenge, I think. So please walk the uninitiated through what a <laughs> exercise physiologist does. Right. What it, what it is and what do you do? <laughs> right. Um, fair question, because, you know, initially it's a really big word. Uh, exercise, what? Um, I think I wrote a blog about that. Um, so <laughs> an exercise physiologist is someone who studies a person's response or adaptation to exercise. Right, how you respond to physical activity. Um, so when I say exercise, um, not just um, going in the gym and lifting weights, but even just being able to run to a bus stop or go up and down a flight of stairs in your house, how your body responds to that. And then also how that relationship plays into chronic illnesses. Um, so you see exercise physiologists in so many different spaces. They can be performance coaches and strength and conditioning coaches. I've chosen to go into the clinical route because I do love medicine. So I work with people with chronic conditions and I use exercise as medicine to prevent, um, manage, and sometimes even reverse those chronic conditions. So my clients have everything from Parkinson's to uh, multiple sclerosis and scoliosis and herniated disc and sciatica and all kinds of other chronic conditions. And I use exercise to help manage those things and to reverse, you know, the things that I can. So it's basically a fancy way in my world of saying a personal trainer for people with chronic conditions. Is your role as an exercise physiologist the cousin to physical therapy? I would say so. Um, it, it usually gets confused, um, but um, the way I look at it is kind of like if you look at the mental health space, you can have a psychologist, you have um, social workers who also help with mental um, health issues, you have mental health specialists, there are certifications for that, um, you have psychiatrist. So it's kind of like that, right? We all take a different part of the puzzle. And there are a lot of times where I pick up where a physical therapist might leave off. You know, if someone is just finishing surgery, I'm not the person to help them initial in those initial stages of rehab. But um, I can pick up after the physical therapist has helped them to regain that range of motion, they've strengthened them to the point where they can walk or move or whatever the case is. I pick up where they leave off and I kind of take the ball from there. So definitely work hand in hand together. And you've indicated you've more or less, I want to use the word supplemented. It could be enhanced or added um, personal fitness trainer to that component as well. Is, um, was there a reason why? It's all in the same family. Okay. So that's, that's kind of where I started. So from my personal training certification, that's usually um, a certification where you work with people who are in generally good health. You know, they might have a little high blood pressure here or something like that, but usually generally healthy people, you're trying to get them in better shape, trying to help them lose weight. 
I had to go a step further to do what it is I wanted to do in terms of working with people with chronic conditions because they're not, te they're not teaching you that necessarily when you're sitting for a personal training certification. You're not learning how to work with arthritis or some of those you know, more challenging, complicated things. So that's why I took it a step further. Do you offer your services independently of a company or are you affiliated with an agency? So I am independent at the moment. I branched off on my own a few years ago, I think three years now. So I work independently, I work for myself. I used to work at Burke Rehab Hospital in White Plains. And when I left them, I just decided to go off on my own after some careful consideration. So I've been doing that for the last three years. I want you to tell uh, listeners about your early education. By that I mean before high school. Were you exposed to this world of all these options in terms of what you're doing now? Or were those choices a lot more limited? Definitely a lot more, a lot more limited. I would say um, even before high school, I wasn't really sure. Um, well, I knew what I wanted to do, but I wasn't being presented with a bunch of different opportunities. And even as I got to high school, I started to notice that um, career day at high school wasn't really that beneficial for me. All it basically was, was a person from the military who came and told us that this was the way to go because we wouldn't have money to pay for college. So I don't know what they did at other schools. I'm assuming that they probably had um, <laughs> people in different professions come and speak to the you know, students, but I never had that. It was basically so public an school? army. Um, yes. Wow. Uh, yes. I did private school, I did public school, but that was basically it. The army person, recruiter came and said, this is what you should do. And it was just one branch of the military after the other. And I wasn't thinking that I needed anything more than that because I just knew that I was going to study medicine. But as I got older and I decided to change my mind and I thought I could create the career that I want. You know, I don't have to be boxed in or limited and that's just not my personality anyway. You know, so I said, you know what, what is it that I like to do? Let me see if I can find people who will pay me to do it. And a lot of exercise physiologists, you see them in the sports world. A lot of them work with athletes. They work with the more glamorous side of it. Um, it's rare that you find someone like me who's willing to work with a 78 year old client who can barely walk or barely stand. It's, it's not every day that you find that person. And I saw a big opportunity there because you have a whole group of people who are being forgotten, the elderly, the people with chronic conditions. And I thought, you know what? I like this space. So that's basically how I ended up there. But in terms of being given some sort of direction, definitely not. So you tell a story of pursuing medicine, perhaps trying to find your way there and then finding what seems to you, what seems to me to be a labor of love. How do you get clients? How did the building of the business brand start? <laughs> Man, it was, it was hard because 
I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do just yet. I know that when I was leaving Burke, I definitely needed some time to just collect myself because I was going to school full time, I was working full time and just basically running myself ragged. And I thought, um, what's my next move? And part of me just said, you know what? I wanna do this for myself. I wanna call my own shots. I want to be able to do it the way I know it should be done without having to ask permission or to you know, run it by someone or deal with the red tape that comes with organizations. I just want to do what I wanna do. But then I thought about it and the magnitude of it said, look for another job. I can look for another job. And I started to go down that route, but for whatever reason, every time I tried to send in a resume, I just couldn't do it. And I saw these great opportunities come and they passed me by and I couldn't do it. So I said, you know what? I think I'm going off on my own. And then all of the fear kicks in. How will I get clients? How will I do this? What if it doesn't work out? And I just decided, you know what? If it doesn't work out, I can always go back and apply for something else. And I started out by, um, there were a few people that I had been working with already from other you know, places that I had worked. And I started off like that. And a lot of my clients actually are word of mouth. I didn't have a website for a really long time. I didn't have a social media presence for a really long time. And it's still a challenge for me to maintain those because I tend to like to be behind the scenes. That's not entirely um, possible when you're working for yourself and you need people to see you. So it's a struggle, but honestly, a lot of my clients come from other clients. So I was never that person to sell you on anything. So people might have the experience where you go into a gym and there's a trainer and they work on commission. So the minute you step in, they're offering you an evaluation. Can we sit down? And they're trying to sell you personal training. And I'm not a seller by any means. I can't do it. I, I, I just can't do it. So I thought to myself, my knowledge is going to sell me. I've studied a lot in this field. I know um, a pretty decent amount. And when I speak to Ryan, when I speak to this person, when I speak to that person, by the end of our conversation, they'll know that they need me. I'm not going to sell them anything. They'll just know. And it's worked. And you serve the full range. You're serving individuals privately who just need to get in shape, who are healthy. And you're serving individuals who have injuries and medical problems. Yes. So yes, definitely there's that spectrum. Most of my clients, however, fall into the latter category there, usually with injuries or illnesses or um, some kind of chronic condition of some sort. And um, I usually find them where they find me because they're frustrated. A lot of times they've gone to the doctor, they've been told that there's nothing else to be done. They don't want another medication, they don't want another operation. They just don't want to be in pain anymore, but they don't see any options. And I try to provide those. So I definitely have a few clients who've been told by doctors, there's nothing else we can do. Don't even come back. And I've seen them and I said, look, let's try something. What do you have to lose? You know, at the end of the day, I'm not selling you a pill with side effects that you're not sure about. And I'm not selling you a procedure that's invasive. This is exercise. Only good can come from this. 
you know, when done right. So not only can I try to help this particular situation, but I can get you some other things out of this as well. You know, so if we're working together because you're having issues with your Parkinson's, for instance, we're also going to be making your heart stronger and getting your muscles stronger and getting your mind sharper. So there's so many benefits that come along with it that I don't know how you pass up that kind of an opportunity. No negative side effects. And I've spoken to in the last number of weeks, um, engineers and what has amazed me is the ability of many people in careers like yours to invest in the long game. Because obviously you're working with individuals who need long-term help. Right. Was that something you envisioned as part of the vocation when you started out? And how did you respond to that? Um, it's definitely something that I know and it's really more of a challenge trying to explain that to the client because we live in a society where we want things now and we can usually get what we want right now. And especially for those of us who live in New York, we can tend to get whatever it is we want. If you're hungry at three o'clock in the morning, there's something open, you know? Um, but I try to explain to people, especially the ones who are in pain, this problem didn't happen overnight. In your mind, it may seem like suddenly everything is wrong, but it's not suddenly, it's not all of a sudden, it's been happening. And I try to explain to them that our bodies don't just break down, you know? Um, it's not built to just break down. It usually tries and tries and tries before it starts to give up. One of the examples I give is um, your heart, for instance, right? So we have the SA node that is responsible for pumping our heart, but if that is, um, disrupted for any reason. If that mechanism doesn't work, then we have the AV node. If that doesn't work, then we have the Purkinje fibers. If that doesn't work, we, so we have so many different um, ways to keep our heart beating. When our hearts finally stop beating, it's not for lack of trying. It's, it's been trying, it's been working. And a lot of the clients who come to me, um, when you have degeneration, when you have arthritis, when you have some of these conditions, they don't happen overnight. So the fix can't happen overnight. But I can promise that if they stick with it, we can get them a little bit better than they were before. I can't promise, um, I can't guarantee that they'll be 100% perfect because no one can promise that. But I can promise that I'll get them better than where they are at the moment. And it's just really trying to constantly get that message across. And eventually, you know, they get it but when someone's in pain, it's hard to tell them to wait a little bit longer. So it's definitely a, 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 a long-term journey, but it's also one that's worth it. What are the, the demographics of your clientele? Uh, I know obviously they're probably older, most of them. Right, um, mostly older. And just because I work um, mostly in Westchester County, all over Westchester County, a lot of them are Jewish. So older Jewish clients, I would say it's probably, um, maybe 90% of them are older Jewish clients that I have. Um, yeah, that's the demographic. And most of this is um, by insurance or how are they um, rewarding so for your services? 
Yeah, it's um, so they pay out of pocket. Unfortunately, the insurance companies won't compensate. They won't reimburse me for it. There's no way for me to bill them. Um, like a lot of the, uh, the country, they still have no idea what we do, some of them. So they just assume we're already paying and reimbursing the physical therapist. Who are you? So there are people working on that at the moment, but I'm not really sure when that will actually come to pass. So for right now, people are paying out of pocket. And I, I think I had reached out to you a number of years ago. My daughter was very young and I realized by looking at your social media space that you do a lot with the self-defense as well. Yes. You're, you're heavy into self <laughs> martial arts and um, I'm moving my hands as I'm doing it because I'm going <laughs> to replicate what I see you do. But you are martial arts proficient. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I've never heard it said like that before. Um, yeah, so that's always been a part of me. And um, when I was younger, my father didn't let me get into that stuff because I guess, you know, he was probably nervous at the time. So the minute that I got grown enough to actually do it without his permission, I was all in. So I got to college and I studied Taekwondo in college for four years. I did it again for another two years once I left. And then I thought, it's not aggressive enough. I need to do something else. So I switched to Jeet Kundo, which I would consider to be the first MMA, if you will, mixed martial arts. It's a style Bruce Lee created, but he put a bunch of different styles together. Um, <clears throat> so I did that for, I would say, two, three years. My instructor no longer taught. So I ended up working out with a new group of guys and it's basically everything. I'd say that it's MMA, but it's probably MMA on steroids. We do weapons and multiple attacks and uh, stick fighting and anything you could possibly think of in the fighting world we do. And it's basically what I've been looking for since day one. How long Just being able to... How long have you been doing this particular the, time? The, this last one, um, like six years. And overall? Overall, I would say probably 12 years, maybe closer to 15. So I just, I mean, I started out doing it for self-defense and I'm still doing it for self-defense. I'm not a big tournament person. I don't care about belts or trophies. I just want to know that if I'm ever attacked, I can defend myself however I need to. So if you wanted to kick me, we can do that. If you wanted to punch me, we can do that. If you wanted to come at me with a weapon, we can do that. If you got me on the ground, we can do that. So however you choose to attack me, I'm good. We, I, I, I can take you. And that's basically what I wanted. Do you... Is that an area that you provide lessons in as well or no? I haven't. Um, never really thought about it or had the opportunity. Someone asked me about it once for actually my clients. And I thought about it and I just haven't really pursued it. But it might be a good idea because the elderly are definitely targets on the street. So it might be a good idea to look into that one day. 
So I wanted to know if you could share, of course, protecting the identity of your clients, uh, a compelling story of the way exercise physiology helped your client to improve health-wise, physically, and otherwise. So there was one woman in particular, and she didn't start off as my clients. What happened was I was working at Burke at the adult fitness center. Our average age there was about 77, 78. So it's a facility full of 78 year olds and older. So definitely very challenging. Um, she was supposed to be in the cardiac rehab uh, program, but because she got sick and had to be hospitalized, her time ran out because Medicare wasn't paying for number of visits, it was paying for time. And her time had lapsed, so they didn't take her. So she ended up at the adult fitness center after having quadruple bypass surgery. And I overheard some of the staff members talking about her. So I was a supervisor and I overheard some of the people on my staff talking about her and saying, she's in bad shape. They didn't know if she belonged there. They think that, you know, she might not make it too much longer. That's how bad she was. And after about two days, I said, who is this lady? Put her in my schedule. I, I, I'll, I'll meet her. I'll, I'll evaluate her. And when I met her, I said, oh, man, they weren't lying. She had to be the weakest, most frail, fragile person I had ever met. Um, I feel like a baby would have been way stronger than she was. So it changed the way um, I approached her. I had to think, you know, on the spot, which is part of my job that I really like. All of those, you know, bullet points you'd read in a textbook about how to conduct an evaluation just didn't count at this point. Like it wasn't going to help me. So I'm sitting with her and just seeing what she's able to do. She could barely lift her own arms. She was in a wheelchair, barely lifted her arms. She didn't really walk. If her husband got her up to her feet, she basically pushed the walker and dragged her feet behind her because she couldn't lift them up to walk. And I said, my goodness. So I sat with her and I said, okay, so what would you like to get out of this? And she told me three things. She wanted to be able to stand on her own. She wanted to be able to walk with a cane and not a walker. And she wanted to be able to go up the stairs because she plays bridge with her friends and one of them lives high up in a, um, an apartment that you know she needed to climb the stairs. And if you looked at this woman, you thought initially, I have no idea how any of this is possible. But I said, you know what, let's try. And I started working with her and honestly, day one was just her lifting her own arm. That, that just lifting her own arm, trying to move her legs while she was sitting down. And it was a struggle. I could almost see her heart beating out of her chest. We would work for 30 seconds and she would be out of breath and completely exhausted. We would have to take a break for about three minutes to get another 30 seconds of work and then a three minute break. And it was definitely challenging. Everyone passed us and thought, I don't think you should be working with her. I'm concerned, you know, for liability reasons. Don't get, we'll be okay. And 
as we started working together, she started slowly making progress. And I would say after about a month, I was able to get her on one of the cardio machines, it's called a new stuff, where she would sit um, and move her arms and her legs. We were at a level one. We could only get about 30 seconds in, but it was, it was cool. It was still progress. Uh, about two, three months after that, she was up to maybe a level five and she was doing it for five minutes straight. We started, you know, practicing the walking. She would hold on to me. We would walk in the hallways and I would line up chairs in the hallway so that every couple of steps she could sit down and take a break and then we'd go again. And after a few months of that, I started picking up the chairs one by one because we didn't need them anymore. And I started being able to use equipment with her. So she was able to use a band now because she was able to lift her arms and her legs. She's now able to carry some weight. And one day I said to her, do you trust me? And she says, yeah, why? I said, I just want to know, do you trust me? She said, yeah. I said, okay, so we're going to do something today. I think we're ready. And I brought out a cane and she starts crying. And I said, you said you trust me, right? And she says, yeah, I know, but I can't do it. I said, but I know you can do it. And you said you trust me, so we're doing it. So we went, you know, at the top of the hallway that we're used to walking. And I took the walker, put it to the side, and I gave her the cane. And she's holding the cane and she doesn't want to move. And I said, we can do this. So I was holding her hand on the other side. And she puts one foot in front of the other and then another foot and then another foot. And I said, we're good. You haven't fallen. I won't let you fall. Everything is okay. And she's so terrified, but she's walking. And it was almost like we were in a movie and everybody starts to look and everyone starts to, you know, um, stop whatever it is they were doing to look in the hallway. And now she has what, would, what I would say is like a, a cheerleading squad because on both sides of the hallway now, she has people watching her take this journey. Her husband happened to be sitting at the other end reading his newspaper like he always does. And when we got closer, she calls out to him and he looks over and he raises his glasses and he starts crying. And she says, I didn't know that I could do this. And I said, we're making it. And at that point, when she got a little bit closer to her husband, and you know, we had walked a considerable amount, so I knew she was more confident. I let go of her hand. I let go of her hand and she started to take a few steps by herself with the cane. And she could have gone a lot further, but she was crying so much that she almost collapsed. So then I had to catch her. But since that moment, um, we had been practicing and practicing. I got her to sit and stand from the chair by herself. And I eventually got her to go up a flight of stairs and come right back down by herself. And nobody thought it was possible. And I didn't even think it was possible. And it just proved to me that what I'm doing definitely does matter. And exercise really, really is medicine. Because when she first showed up, people thought she was almost dead. And we got her to stand, we got her to walk, and we got her to go up the stairs. And that means something. It's something we take for granted, those of us who can do those things without thinking about it. But imagine having to wake up tomorrow and just spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. Imagine your legs just not being there for you when you want them. It definitely changes your quality of life. And so I was able to give that back to her. And I thought that was 
one of the highlights of you know my experiences we will return after a short break There's something I skipped over, I realized, because you're also dealing with the emotional and mental expressions of individuals who had life a certain way at one point and now are dealing. Absolutely. So it, it, it runs a whole gamut. You have the people who, you know, are just, you know, very stubborn they have a condition and they don't want to accept it. They want to continue on the way they always have been. And it causes them to injure themselves because they think they can still live how they were living before without adjusting. You have other people who are at the complete opposite end where they're just depressed and they don't want to do anything. Um, they, they refuse, you know, they're upset at the changes that they're starting to see and they just give up. And I try to explain to them, if you give in, it wins and it wins quickly. You know, you can fight this thing for as long as, as long as you, um, as long as we can, but to do nothing means that it wins. It could be next week. It could be next year. It could be tomorrow, but it wins. Um, so I definitely have a whole range. So you're right. I'm not just managing the physical aspect, but also the emotions, the frustrations, um, those different challenges. Um, and sometimes it takes some, I don't know if manipulation is the right word, but sometimes it takes some manipulation, right? I can know that um, there was one client I had who's had a lot of heart surgeries and implants and um, needed a kidney implant, um, transplant, I'm sorry. Um, didn't want to do anything, but I figured out um, from talking to him that he used to do Taekwondo and he loved it. And I said, you know what, that's what we will do. And I was able to use that and then get him to start boxing. And then from there, I got him to do whatever else I wanted. So there's a way to get through and it's a way to appeal to them, but it's definitely a challenge to manage the emotions that come with it. Just not being well. How often are you having goal-setting talks with your clients? You mentioned initially you'll ask a client, you know, what it is you want. You'll ask, what do you want from this experience or my service? Are, are those conversations happening throughout the experience? They are. So initially, when we do an evaluation, it's a full assessment. And, you know, I'm looking at what I see, how they move. Um, how they manipulate their environment. And oftentimes I'm finding things that they don't even know um, to tell me about. So when they tell me what their goals are, I usually add in a few that they don't even realize that they need. Um, and we talk about just realistically, how are we going to do this? Where are we going to be in the next six weeks, eight weeks, the next month? We have to make it realistic. And, you know, as we get closer to that time frame, you know, we definitely have that conversation again. And as we achieve a goal, then we decide, okay, so what's the next goal? Where do we want to go from here? So it's definitely a constant conversation that we're, we're, we're having. Um, some people, it takes a lot longer to reach a goal, just depending on what condition they have or how often I see them. If I'm seeing you once a week, it's going to take a lot longer than if I'm seeing you three times a week, especially if you're not doing anything else outside of our time together. So for some people, you know, we can 
we can meet those goals a lot sooner. Um, for others, it takes a lot longer, but we're constantly keeping that goal in mind so that we know that we're working towards something. What do you do when the, the goals of the patient or client is based on the physical condition or reach? How do you manage the expectations <laughs> then? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think the last time I, I had to do that. I think um, in some cases I've had to explain the actual condition that's happening. Um, a lot of times they don't necessarily have a full understanding of what their condition is and how it presents and what some of the symptoms are. You know, they might know a little bit here and there, but they're not really sure. So I have to explain what's wrong, how we will fix it, um, a reasonable time frame for how we can get that done. Um, in terms of, I'm trying to think of someone who's had an unrealistic expectation. One is actually hilarious. Um, there was a woman who actually came to me once and said, look, I don't care about my heart. I don't care about my lungs. I don't care about being able to go up and down the stairs better. She says, and, and she had a bunch of health issues. And she says, I just got a divorce and a friend of mine who I've known forever just asked me on a date and that's all I want to do. She says, I need to look good in this outfit to go on this date. And I said, okay, I can work with that. And then she said, okay, and how do I get your body by the time we go on the next date? I said, all right, well, I'm definitely not a magician, but I'll see what I can do. I'll, 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 see, I'll see what I can do. And, uh, you know, we laughed it off. She knew that was, you know, definitely a reach. But um, for the most part, when I explain it to them and they see what's involved, they're usually okay with it. And if you do this thing right from the beginning, they can start to see improvements from day one. You know, so it's motivation for them to keep trying. So for some of them who were reaching a little too far, um, it's okay. I don't even mind the far-fetched goals because, you know, hey, anything is possible. And if that's where they want to go, then let's just work to see how, how we can get you there. And there's a quote I like from Robert Browning, I think, where he says, um, our reach should exceed our grasp. Or what's a heaven for? So if you tell me at 74 that you want to do a marathon, okay, let's work on getting you to the point where we can do a marathon because I've seen the impossible happen with these clients of mine. So at this point, I'm not even sure what might be far-fetched for a lot of them. Um, it's just about managing the time frame it takes to get there. But in terms of Reaching too far, I'm fine with that. You described your work history at work, excellent rehab center. My mother-in-law was actually there when she had a stroke. And while she was there, I ran into Denzel Washington's mom, who was there. At really? That. Yep. Um, and you're it's an aunt. It's a yeah. great rehab hospital. They're, they have a slogan. On, on some of their promotional material, like the, I have a magnet on my fridge right now that says, when they said rehab, I said Burke. And I think they took that from an actual patient 
who was talking about her experience, when she heard that she had to have rehab, she said, I have to only be at Burke. And it's a great place. The staff enjoy working there. They usually have in the 90s in terms of satisfaction from both staff and patients. So they're definitely the place to be if you ever need um, really, really good extensive therapy. That's definitely the place. So, so to that point, you were there and um, the comforts of a steady paycheck without the hustle. Um, sports medicine is obviously within your realm. You, all you probably would need is one good athlete or a team that hires you. Do you ever feel that pull? You're an entrepreneur now, obviously, but do you ever still get that pull to go back to those comforts of the steady check and the you know, all the things that comes with having a nine to five? Um, no. <laughs> um, definitely not. So I know that there's some comfort there. And, you know, people think when you work for yourself, it's easy because you get to do whatever you want. If you're trying to be successful, it's not easy. You're actually working a lot harder than you would work otherwise. But when you start to work for yourself and build for yourself, it's really hard to go back and do it for someone else. Now, I'm not above being humble. If I had to, I would, definitely. But there's something about, you know, building it for me. And what I was realizing at Burke um, in the department I was in was that I knew a lot and I had a lot to contribute. And I was... Um, working these crazy hours and making all kinds of sacrifices. And I thought to myself, I don't know anybody else who does this. You know, um, I was canceling clients who were paying me on a Sunday to go in to cover for free sometimes. And I thought, I don't know any of the senior administrators who are, who are here on a Sunday for free. I don't know anybody who's that committed and that dedicated. And I thought, any success I have here, anything that I'm working on, everything that I'm trying to build, when I'm finished with it, after all of the struggles and the red tape and the, you know, the challenges of getting this done at this organization, I said, if I'm ever able to be successful, Burke's name goes on it. And if I ever tried to replicate that somewhere else, I'd be copying what people saw at Burke. I said, I, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I said, if I'm going to work this hard for this long and struggle like this, it has to be for me. So definitely not, not, um, not planning to work for anyone else ever again. In a consulting type of way and with different projects, yes, but as my full-time job, definitely not. Are you looking for new clients? Do you have the, the space for it or are you filled to capacity at this point? No, I can take more new clients at this point. Um, not filled to capacity just yet, especially, you know, um, with everything that's been shaken up right now with the pandemic. Um, so, yes, I can accommodate more clients at the moment. Do you want to share with listeners ways they can contact you and find your services? I know visually you have a website and 
you're on Instagram, but please share with listeners ways they can find. www.aliciabonnie.com. That's A-L-I-C-I-A-B-O-N-N-E-Y. AliciaBonnie.com. I'm on Instagram as the physiologist. So T-H-E underscore physiologist. And yeah, they can find me there. They can message me, email me. All of the information that they would need is on the website. Um, so those are the two, the two best ways. And we have uh, black and brown students who have never heard about this occupation. Right. I say it with the truest sincerity. What are ways we can prepare our students? Um, and you could pretend this segment is the high school or the college where <laughs> students need to know about career options. Obviously, you mentioned that at your school, these were not options you were exposed to. Right. Some black and brown child is thinking, man, I could really enjoy serving and working as an exercise physiologist. Where should they start? So if they wanted to start, um, right now the, the field is definitely more popular than it was back when I started. So you can actually type in exercise physiology, you know, into any search engine and you can find programs and colleges that support that major. Um, in order to actually become a physiologist, you do have to start, you know, with the basic certifications of becoming a personal trainer. So that's also, you know, the way in, I would say, to look for credible um, institutions and credible certifications, because personal training is that, you know, field of aesthetics. And sometimes anybody who has the body can get the job. Uh, you have these certifications that are weak, for lack of better words. So definitely organizations that are credible like the American College of Sports Medicine or the National Academy of Sports Medicine. You know, those are some organizations where their certification holds some weight. You know, when you present it to a job, they'll know what it is and they'll definitely accept it because they know you had to really know what you were doing to get that certification. So those would probably be the, the, the ways to start. Um, I would just tell people though, um, think about, just try to think outside of the box. So when we think medicine, for instance, people think nurse and doctor, and that's it. And I said, well, you know, there are people who make the tools that the nurses and the doctors use, right? You know, the, so there's a whole engineering and, you know, physics and robotic side of this thing and just being able to expand their minds because unfortunately in some of these schools right now they're still not getting that information so i try to tell students that i've met i've spoken at you know at least one career day and i said just try to think outside the box figure out what it is you're good at what it is you'd like to do and don't let someone tell you that it doesn't pay well or that there's no market for it you can create the job that you want you can create the career you want somebody out there needs whatever it is you plan to do. Um, so don't just settle for what it, what it is they're selling you because I know that there are students out there saying, this is not it, this is not it, this is not it, I have no idea. You know, and to that you know, person, I just say, you know, find what it is that moves you, that you love, and you can always turn that into a career somehow. See how you can fill a need for someone and they'll pay you to fill that need. 
great takeaway. One of the things I didn't ask you earlier was in, in having these talks with people who inspire, the theme always comes up about connecting the dots backwards. Is there anything you wish you had done differently reflecting on your journey? Oh, man. Um, I'm sure I can probably think of a million things I could have, I, I could have done differently. Um, I think the advice that I just gave <laughs> to, you know, these potential students about, you know, keeping your mind open, that's not something I did initially. I had an idea of what I wanted and there was nothing else I was listening to. Um, so that was one of the things I might have gone back and done differently. Um, I would have been a little bit more compassionate, I guess, with myself as I was trying to figure it out because, you know, it is difficult these days. Back when, you know, some of my friends were, or my parents were younger, you could get by with an associate's degree, you know, and now that's not the case anymore. You need advanced degrees and they're not cheap. It's almost like punishment for trying to better yourself. So these decisions are more challenging these days because you can't just get a degree that you'd never plan to use. You know, we've known people who went to school for one thing and now they're working someplace else. But these degrees are so expensive now, you're paying back student loans for so long that you should probably want to do what it is you're studying. And it's hard to figure all of that out. How do you know what you want to be at 30, at 18? How do you know that? It's very hard. So it's, it's basically a juggling act, I would say, you know, keep an open mind. And that's something I wish I would have done. And you don't have to have all the answers um, in the moment. And I didn't have them, and I wish I did. But, you know, keeping an open mind and trying different things and giving myself permission, you know, to grow and fail and try different things. And, you know, life is there waiting. You know, I don't have to have it all figured out on day one. So that's something I wish I would have um, known sooner. Yeah. Alicia Bonnie, thank you so much. You gave us so many gems. I really appreciate your sharing with the Waterworth podcast. And I'm hoping uh, if our listeners are in need of these services or if you know someone who needs those services, please. Her website not only has the visuals, there are testimonials as well. And her Instagram page has the same. You will see her work. You will read the testimonials. And um, please give her an opportunity to be of service to you. Thank you so much, Alicia, for being a guest on the Waterworth podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope I was able to uh, help somebody. You know, so thank you. Good luck with your endeavor with the podcast. And thank you. So I hope you know it turns into something really, really great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Finally, I thought of Ali in the middle of the yard. In his elder years, drawing from his victories and his losses. At that moment, I realized something new about this, the greatness of Ali and how he carried his crown. I realized that he was transferring something to me on that day. He was transferring the spirit of the fighter in me. 
he was transferring the spirit of the fighter to me. He was transferring the spirit of the fighter to me. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you had this day, when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me. The path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. If it's meant for you, I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. <laughs> the light of new realization shines on you today. Howard's legacy is not wrapped up in the money that you will make, but the challenges that you choose to confront. As you commit to your past, press on with pride and press on with purpose. God bless you. I love you, Howard. Howard forever.